Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Spin Move Podcast. I'm your host, Paulo Sparza. I am joined with my co-host, Nathan and Samir. Welcome back, guys. Nice to be back after, uh, what, a two-month hiatus? Yeah, it's been it's been a quite a long time, but it's it's nice to finally be talking sports again. Look forward to getting, diving into some uh, great topics today, especially in regards to NFL playoffs. So it's yeah. going to be exciting. The reason we had to take this unplanned hiatus is because, uh, let's just say that our schedules uh, the last few months of 2019 were getting very busy. And was, never aligned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was getting tough to do the podcast. So we had to take a hiatus. And to be honest with you, we didn't know when we were going to continue this. But we're back, and I am happy to talk sports with you guys again after so long. Yeah. Excited. Yep. Get into it. We have the NFL coaching update, the NFL playoffs, yep. NBA, what's happened there up to this point since we're almost at the halfway point. And then also talk about college basketball as we're just starting the conference play and uh, also recapping some baseball signings that have happened over the past two months. Also check, also check a little bit on college football because next Monday is the national championship game. Of course. That's right. That's right. Big so game. where can you find us? Uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify or on uh, Google Play or even on uh, – Apple Podcasts, just Google our name, Spin Move Podcast, with uh, Nathan, me, uh, Samir, me, and uh, Paolo. And we produce episodes once a week. We record midweek and then uh, showcase our podcasts over the weekend. And you can find us on all those um, mediums. And you can find us on Twitter at Spin Move Podcast, where you can follow us and retweet us as we, we were in a hiatus, but now we're back. That's right. Don't forget to leave a review after listening to the episodes. We would really appreciate that. Yes, we would love that. Now we're going to get started with the NFL. As uh, Samir mentioned, we had some coaching news. So here are teams that were looking for new head coaches. The Washington Redskins, Carolina Panthers, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, and the Cleveland Browns. The Redskins and the Panthers fired their head coaches in midseason in Jake Rudin and Ron Rivera. So for the Redskins, they finished 3-13, and and they fired team president Bruce Allen, which was much needed for Redskins fans. I don't celebrate anybody losing their jobs because everybody's got families and you need to uh, make money, but I think Bruce Allen will be fine. Head coach Jake Gruden was fired midseason. He was replaced by interim coach Bill Callahan. The Redskins targeted former Carolina Panthers head coach Ron Rivera, and he was the first coach to be signed to a new team as the Redskins went aggressive to get Ron Rivera and they made sure he did not leave the building because he was definitely going to get interest from the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. And this is a great sign that they signed him so quickly because if you remember their last time when they were trying to sign an offensive coordinator and uh, head coach and all, it took months almost. Yeah, they tried to replace Greg Minuski and nobody wanted to jump. Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad they actually got somebody and that they also got a new coaching staff, like, within a second. Yeah, and it shows the, the sense of urgency on the Redskins, you know, how quickly they did that. Because it's it's really important for the Redskins to have a sense of urgency. Because I think 
They've been mediocre now for the past few years. Or past decade. Past decade. 20 years. Right. <laughs> it's been a long time. And so the Reds, so Redskins fans are, you know, really hungry for, you know, some some winning. They're, you know, they're ready to, to see some winning uh, from this team. So It looks like there are changes coming for the Redskins thanks to owner Daniel Snyder, as it was reported that he went to get um, input from people outside the organization to see what he needs to do to make the team better. It looks like he's taking those advices seriously because they also hired Jack Del Rio as their as the new defensive coordinator. Changes within the front office is to be determined, and it looks like it'll be expected to make changes after the draft, which mm-hmm. is in May. Right. Daniel Snyder also got rid of head trainer Larry Hess after 17 years with the team, and they hired Ryan Vermillion from the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. And when it came to Ron Rivera, um, he was promised that he would be he would be the one making the decisions. And it looks like that is coming to fruition. Quick thoughts, guys. I think that's good. I think they have to have a head coach that's really a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like they're giving him that opportunity. And obviously, he's bringing a lot of people from Carolina. So I like that move. I think I think that's the direction they should go in. Yep. And this is a complete like complete one eighty of. Uh, what Jay Gruden was. This uh, Ron Rivera is a very tough, uh, has a tough personality, tough uh, with his uh, team. And he, he comes from, uh, his family was, uh, his parents were both Army brats. And uh, he was also a linebacker for the Bears back That's in the right. day. Right. And he brought uh, ahead uh, Jack Del Rio, who was also a linebacker back in the day. And is the former Jaguars head coach. And he's also just as like stern and stringent. And this is compared to the more lighthearted Jay Gruden, who many uh, referenced the uh, purple nurples he got from Deshaun Je- Jackson. <laughs> yeah, they need, oh, they man. really needed some course correction because if you had any more of those purple nurples, you, you're going to have some problem. <laughs> they really just need oh. some order in that in that locker room. And oh, they need God. somebody who's a, a strong leader, especially because they're a very young team. Um, so I think this is a very, very good direction for them to move in because Ron Rivera is definitely going to give them direction. Jay Gruden? Great. I think he's about to be a coordinator. Yes. He's not a leader. He's not a head coach material, but maybe that will change down the line for him. Ron Rivera is definitely a leader. So I can't wait to see what the Redskins will do under him for years to come. For sure. And then I'm going to go quickly with these next coaching changes and then get your thoughts on that overall. The Carolina Panthers, they fired their head coach, Ron Rivera, on December 3rd, 2019. And he was replaced by interim coach Perry Fuel, who was the former secondaries coach for the Redskins and was with the Giants. The Carolina Panthers finished 5-11, and and the Panthers hired former Baylor head coach Matt Rule to a six-year, $60 million deal. Now, with incentives, that could be $7 million. Mm-hmm. For the Dallas Cowboys, they finished the season 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, Nathan, we'll get to that in just a moment. They missed the playoffs after uh, many people thought they'd be a Super Bowl team. They fired head coach Jason Garrett after close to 10 seasons. They hired former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy as their new head coach. They also hired Mike Nolan as their defensive coordinator. The New York Giants, they finished the season 4-12, and and they fired their head coach, Pat Shermer. His record with the Giants was 9-23. and Ironically, the same record when he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Mm. They kept general manager Dave Gettleman, which that drew some criticism with the media and some uh, Giants fans. 
They wanted to hire Ron Rivera and Matt Rule, but they were unsuccessful. In fact, Matt Rule called the Giants to see if they can match the offer that the Panthers gave him. The Giants said no. Instead, the New York Giants hired Patriots wide receivers coach Joe Judge as their new head coach. Now, all of you will be saying, who? We're going to get to that in a moment. And to finish that news for the New York Giants, they're also interested in bringing Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. And last but not least, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, boy. They finished 6-10 <laughs> after a very disappointing season, which many people thought they were going to make the playoffs. That included me. Yep. Many people had them going to the Super Bowl because of that. Uh, uh, them getting uh, Odell and Jarvis and uh, what have you. I told people to pump the brakes on that. No, I didn't think they were a Super Bowl team. I just said they were a playoff team. I had them in the wild card. So much for that. They also fired general manager John Dorsey and head coach Freddie Kitchens after one season. Right now, they are the only team without a head coach. But they said, it's been reported by uh, Adam Schefter, that they said they will have a head coach signed by, I guess, Saturday They're or by Monday. They a head coach signed by Saturday. Yeah. yeah. They, I think they interviewed – they're going to interview oh – I mean, I can't forget. Yeah, they have a list of like five or six <laughs> yeah, player, uh, coaches, and one of them being the offensive coordinator for the Pats. Oh, in, really? uh, Josh McDaniels, yes. That would be interesting. And uh, if if he goes and becomes the head coach, then our guy, the Redskins offensive coordinator, uh, Kevin o- uh, O'Connell, would be the offensive coordinator for the Browns. So, thoughts on all the head coaching news? I'll go real quick. Um, Ron, uh, for the Carolina Panthers, really like the Matt Rule pick. Matt Rule has been great at three different um, stops now. Um, he's improved on each of those seasons and reached his team to – Bowl games as well as 10 and 3, 11 and 3 records. That's a really good choice because he's going to be able to set the standard for that organization. I look forward to seeing what he'll do in Carolina. Uh, with the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, uh, it's an iffy pick. You know, Mike McCarthy's obviously well seasoned. Uh, he's he's been victorious over the course of his career. So you look at his you know his track record and yeah, but I just don't know if it's the right pick for Dallas. But, you know, inevitably, I don't know what is the right pick for Dallas, honestly. Maybe Ron Rivera was the choice, but I don't think Jerry Jones was looking for that. I do like their defensive coordinator pick, though, Mike Nolan. Mm. Dude's a tough guy. He's a former linebacker coach, and he's also – I think he would played in the NFL, if I remember, too. Wasn't he also the 49ers head coach? I think he was the 49ers head briefly? coach, too, at a, briefly at a time. So I, I really like that pick a lot because he has a strong personality. Um, in terms of the Giants – don't know why they chose Joe Judge. The only yeah. thing I can think is that he's a stopgap, um, you know, for for another year um, because inevitably the Giants are going to play terribly next year. Everybody's going to blame on Joe Judge just so, just like they did to Freddie Kitchens, and you know he'll probably be fired by the end of the season. That I'm, I would not be surprised if that if that happened. And then real quick with the Cleveland Browns. Freddie Kitchens, I can't believe they just fired him after one season. It's ridiculous. I think this stuff has to stop where you hire a coach for a season. You you don't do as well as you hope, and then all of a sudden everything goes downhill. John Dorsey, why would you fire him as a GM when he got you Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon? Mm-hmm. Like he brought in several good players. doesn't make any sense to me, the, the, uh, the fact that they have. He brought in Kareem Hunt. Like, I, I, they had a very talented roster. To, to fire the GM, that makes no sense. 
So I do think the Browns um, have to find somebody established. Um, I hate to say Marvin Lewis, even though I don't think Marvin Lewis is a bad coach. I thought he got a bad hand to him in Cincinnati because they cap strapped him the whole time. But, you know, they really need somebody experienced to come in and be established there for the Cleveland Browns. Another thing about the rule um, thing, I, I, Samira actually sent this in, in, in our uh, group chat. They are paying him an exorbitant amount of money. I was a little surprised at that, but if he produces the way I think he can, it makes sense. Yep. I mean, uh, he went from Baylor to now Carolina, and the only reason why college coaches go to the NFL, other than to have a uh, to put their foot into a higher position, right. is also because of the money. Because look at Steve, look at uh, Saban from Alabama, look at uh, all the other coaches from uh, high-profile uh, colleges. Right. They get paid uh, hundreds and millions of millions of dollars. You have the match. Yeah. Exactly. And I just one uh, comment: the New York Daily News, once they got their the Giants made their new head coach, put it on their uh, as their headline: "Judge Overrule," <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Really the funny. media never ceases to amaze. No, they don't. They have they have to have a sense of humor. The way things have been going for them, I mean, you have to laugh about but it. But they can be so, very brutal. They can. That's that's the thing. They either are very brutal or they have a joke about it. And when they have a joke about it, they're pretty funny. So going back to the Cleveland Browns, I think they uh, interviewed uh, Jim Swartz, who was the uh, defensive coordinator for the Eagles. They're going to interview offensive coordinator for the Vikings, Kevin Stefanski, soon, followed by Josh McDaniels. The guys that they already interviewed, uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. I think Greg Roman, who's the offensive coordinator with the Ravens. And... Um, even that uh, Sala guy, too, for Robert the 49ers. Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. So that goes along with what I've said in terms of the most of those coaches are very experienced. You talk about Greg Roman, guys like that. They've been in the league for years and years. So that, that it seems to be the direction that they're going in because obviously this didn't seem to, quote, unquote, work out for them this year. But I think Freddie Kitchens got scapegoated. And that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, I feel sorry for anyone who's going to have to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns because how much time are they going to get? Right, that's if, the thing. If Kitchen's got only one season. So. Yep, short lease for any new head coach. Mm-hmm. And then for the Giants, I'm puzzled. I don't know what they're doing with Joe Judge. I'm guessing they're thinking we got to hire somebody soon because all these teams are making head coaching hires so quickly. As opposed to previous years where they wanted a guy, let's say like an Eric Bieniemy, they'll wait until that team's playoff season is over and then they interview the guy right. if they're so uh, focused on getting him as a head coach. But now, I guess this year, we got to get a head coach very quickly. Quickly. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Cowboys had to be done. Jason Garrett has been there for so long. How many times can you stick with mediocrity with an occasional uh, divisional playoff appearance? Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like Jerry wanted to keep up, but Stephen Jones said, come on, Dad, you got to make the change. It's time to move on. But with Mike McCarthy, I like McCarthy. I think it's a good hire, but how much control is he going to get? Because you know the buck stops with Jerry Jones. That's and then with the Panthers, I'm interested to see what the Panthers are going to do. With Cam, yeah, with Cam Newton and versus their other uh, QB. Yep. Uh, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen yeah. and rookie uh, QB uh, Will Greer. 
I but, do think the I do think the head coach signing though is probably a strong move for Cam Newton. The only reason why I say that is because I think the, the change that they were that they were kind of looking for probably rules in favor for Cam Newton because it seemed like Ron Rivera stick with Kyle Allen for most of the rest of the year, and I think he was going to do that regardless if Cam Newton came back healthy. So I think it probably rules in, in better in Cam Newton's favor. So we're going to see what happens with the Cleveland Browns job as they'll be the last team to get a head coaching job, provided uh, what happens after the uh, – playoff games this coming weekend. And speaking of playoff games, uh, we had just had the wild card games air last weekend, and three of the four were very exciting. Yeah. One was a complete dud. First game was the uh, Bills-Texans game on uh, Saturday uh, afternoon, and what's amusing is that it, every time the Texans make the playoffs, they always seem to get that 4.30 uh, p.m. slot on whatever Saturday. Whatever reason. Whatever reason. <laughs> I guess they just want to put the Texans there first. I, I don't know why. I mean, they're a good <laughs> team, obviously, but, you know. So. But not to the stardom of, say, like the Patriots <laughs> or the Saints or something. Or something. So, as, so as the game was going on, it looked like the Buffalo Bills were going to run away with this uh, victory because at halftime. It was 16 nothing. By halftime, it was 13 nothing, yeah, And then it was uh, 16 nothing in the third quarter. Mm. But after that, the Buffalo Bills gave up a 16-0 lead. And questionable decisions by Josh Allen, probably um, playoff jitters. One being that he was running for his life, and as he was getting tackled to the ground, he laterals the ball at the last minute, causing a fumble. But the, yeah, well, let me just backtrack because sure. that was on the last drive of the before, uh, fourth quarter. Yeah. Before okay. that, that previous drive, he had uh, they had first, second down at ten mm-hmm. at the Texans thirty with about two and a half minutes left. And they're down three. So you thought, oh, second and ten at the Texans 30, they'll just settle for a field goal, right, tie yeah. the game up. Instead, he gets sacked for back to on back-to-back plays on third and fourth down. And they weren't like five-yard sacks, ten-yard sacks. They were 20-yard <laughs> sacks that sent them back to the own 30-yard line. Oh, my goodness. Q replay of the week one matchup between the Bears and the Green Bay Packers where yeah, the they, Bears offense had to go like what? For, like second and like thir- 40 second or whatever. 40 or something. <laughs> like, I honestly feel bad for Josh Allen because the thing is, is like that is such a meltdown. Mm. That's such a meltdown that – it's obvious when you're watching it, you're just like, oh, he's having a meltdown because it's like you literally have the game in tow. Like you don't have to do a single thing except for hand the ball off or throw the ball away or immediately. Throw the ball away, and he he for whatever reason, Texas. yeah, for whatever reason. Yeah. I was I was absolutely shocked because I was I was loving the Bills what they were doing throughout most of the game. You know, they were controlling um, everything on offense. Defense was playing fantastic. They were getting after DeAndre Hopkins. You know, they were sacking Deshaun. Deshaun Watson got sacked five times in the first half. Ooh. It was brutal for the Texans. And that's why a lot of people. Game. That's why a lot of people did not think the Texans would win because that offensive line was getting manhandled. Yeah, it was getting yep. manhandled because that that Bills defense is they're grown men. There's no doubt. So I was I was surprised to see because I I think I turned off that game at the third quarter because I had to get some sleep. And um, and when I woke up the next morning and to find out that the Texans had won that game, it come back. Yeah. So all the yeah. Way. So what happened was after that play, the Sean Watson and all had to ball at their uh, 
Bills' 30-yard line. Right. They just had to make a first down and it would be game over. Instead, it was fourth and one. They didn't convert. So they turned the ball over. Josh Allen sent the team down the field. They got the game-tying field goal, sent it to overtime with no time left. And then they went back and forth in overtime, and then Deshaun Watson got bailed out by one of his receivers, right. got caught a 40-yard he pass. Had, he had a 2007 uh, Super Bowl uh, Eli Manning-Houdini-like uh, <laughs> moves. Uh, yeah, in that one play. Uh, play. Because he, it looked like Deshaun Watson was going to get sacked by, what, two guys? Yeah. And then he somehow escaped. Threw to an open receiver. and the Tyron receiver. Jones. Yeah, and he ran – 30 yards downfield, set up the team in great field position, kick the game winning field goal in overtime, and they advanced because of Texas that. Texas were meant to win that game. <laughs> because the, everything that happened, there is no reason the Texans should come out. The better off. team exactly. lost, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, the better team lost. And they just caved. Yeah. But, they really did. But on that defense, give it up for J.J. Watt and uh, okay. Whitney Merciless. Yeah. They came back with a vengeance. J.J. Watt, I remember that it was their stop on, on third down. That they made down at the near the goal line to keep them um, from kicking three points. I think at that point the Texans really changed. DeAndre Hopkins started playing better. Deshaun started playing better. So yeah, much much credit to JJ Watt with the Mercos. And before we move on, this is a team. This was a Houston Texans team that was without Will Fuller, mm-hmm. corner Jonathan Joseph, right. and tight end Jordan Atkins. All I think all three of them were were starters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Atkins was like Brown reserve. Reserve or maybe starter. I know we started a couple games, but those were key three guys. And had Houston lost, I think everybody would think Bill O'Brien was getting fired. Yeah. Yep, because they were playing atrociously bad. Yeah. They were playing so bad. And there's the still a possibility half. he still gets fired. <laughs> yeah. But he is safe for now. Yes. But we'll find out as the Houston Texans have to go to Arrowhead. To face the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, the right. reigning MVP, yep. Patrick Adam Mahomes. Holmes. And then the Saturday night game was the Tennessee Titans going to Foxborough to face the defending Super Bowl champion New England Patriots. Who and got steamrolled. Who got steamrolled. To say the least. <laughs> Head coach of the Tennessee Titans is none other than Mike Vrabel, who was the former Patriots linebacker, so he knew Foxborough very well. He knows Bill Belichick's tricks. He knows Tom Brady's tricks. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this was going to be an interesting game. I was the only one to pick uh, the Titans uh, when talking to a group of friends. I kind of got like questioned that why I did that. I thought defense was going to be able to win the game, and I thought Derrick Henry was going to get two touchdowns. Yeah, kind of was half right on <laughs> Derrick Henry. Speaking of Derrick Henry, he had a monster of a game. Oh, On halftime, I think he had 11 or 12 carries for 106 yards. By the end of the game, he had 34 carries, 182 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Most in playoff history, he passes Eddie George's playoff record with 162 rushing yards in the 1999 AFC Divisional Playoff game. That's yeah, it was just basically him because the offense didn't do much. Like Tannehill, uh, Tannehill had like 70 yards passing the whole game. You get 70 yards passing on a single drive, and he had this for the whole game. 8 of 15, 72 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. He threw the touchdown to uh, wide receiver Anthony Persker. Yeah, wow. some no-name receiver. But well, yeah, two catches, 23 yards. In a yeah, but the story of the day was uh, Derrick Henry running all over, all over the Pats. The Pats couldn't... Easy. 
the defense couldn't do anything, couldn't stop the run at all because he got 34 carries, yeah. was running for like six, seven yards each carry, Man, and they just couldn't I, stop him. They couldn't. I, I think the couple of things that I got from this game, I didn't watch. I didn't watch it, but I got to watch the highlights. Just seeing, obviously, the way that they run their offense with, you know, with uh, Ryan Tannehill and, and Derrick Henry. They seem, I was saying before the podcast, they seem like a poor man's Ravens team. So they're not quite as good as the Ravens, which I do believe they'll lose to the Ravens next week. But um, they're not quite as good as the Ravens, but they have the same similar kind of foundations where they run the ball, they play great defense, and they show that against the Patriots. Another thing that I have to say is that I don't think Tom Brady is washed up. I think he was um, dealt a, a very poor hand on offense. Yeah, especially where, with the receivers and whatnot. Yeah. And even with the offensive line. The yeah. offensive line was not as good as it was past mm-hmm. years. So I do think he'll – I don't know if he'll come back to the Patriots. I hope he does. Um, and I hope they bring, he is a free agent. Um, and I hope they bring in more receivers. But those are the couple things that I got out of this game. But – it was a pretty, it's pretty good game. I expected the Patriots to win, but the Titans proved me wrong. So I think Brady's coming back. There's no way he's ending his career on a pick six, which I'm going to mention. The Titans lost twenty to thirteen for most of the game. It was like fourteen thirteen Titans. Right. It was yeah, very. Close. It was a one point game. Yeah. It was a one point game, and then Brady was deep in his end zone, and he was making a throw, and it was picked up by former Patriot. Logan Ryan for the pick six. He should have had two pick sixes, but he dropped one. Mm. But he had the pick six to end the game. But the most memorable part of that game was it was fourth down. It was fourth down. The Titans had the punt. This was before the pick six. Yeah, this was like about five minutes left in the game. And, yeah, uh, yeah, the Titans were punting. And uh, instead of just punting directly – they actually did some uh, like a gimmicky kind of thing. They called yeah. a delay of game, delay of game twice, a uh, delay of game, then false start, and then uh, Patriots jumped off sides, and then the uh, they eventually punted. But the thing was, they wait. Uh, the Titans wasted so much time yeah. in the false start in the uh, delay of game. They wasted like a minute in for each play. Right. Just to purposely uh, have little time for Brady to respond. Yeah, because the rule, I think. Uh, Tony Romo was explaining this during the game. They cannot have multiple uh, delay of games because right. that will eventually be a penalty. A person right. that will be eventually turned into a personal foul, 15 yard right. penalty. Yeah, unsportsmanlike so conduct. What's memorable is that Bill Belichick was getting so livid, livid <laughs> that Mike Vrabel was doing this. And of course, a lot of people don't feel sorry for Bill Belichick because he no. pulls this type of thing. He, he does this all the time. Yeah, he did Mike Vrabel's smart. He's not going to let the Patriots get in that office. Like I said, he knows how Bill Belichick operates. So why not give him a taste of his own medicine? Exactly. The, the student outcoached the mentor. Yep. That was one of the reasons why I picked the Titans because Mike Vrabel was in that organization for years. He knows how they operate. So that's why I thought the Titans were going to win. And boy, did they. So we're going to find out against the Ravens, and like you said, Nathan, I agree. The Ravens are going to win because no one can stop Lamar Jackson, but we don't know. Yeah, still the playoffs. And then on the NFC wild card games, we had the Minnesota Vikings going to New Orleans to face the New Orleans Saints, and they won in overtime 26-20. Samir's going to talk about that game because he watched most of it. Yeah, it's basically Cousins played well. 
Breeze did not. Right. <laughs> because Cousins, he didn't throw. I don't believe he threw a pick. And, uh, yeah, the, he was just playing well. The running game was doing fine. Saints, on the other hand, uh, Breeze was, had kind of like an off day. He had open receivers. He could get him passes to Michael Thomas. Yep. But it was actually his backup uh, quarterback, Taysom Hill, who went off. He had a uh, – by the end of the game – he had a block that led to a Camara touchdown in the first mm-hmm. quarter. He had a 50-yard throw that led to a t- that Camara touchdown. He had a uh, 20-yard uh, touchdown reception in the third or fourth quarter. Yeah, he was bas- basically do- – and then he had an 11-yard rush uh, in the middle of the game. So he was literally doing it all, passing, That's rushing, crazy. blocking, receiving. And, yeah, people were saying, like, in Twitter, should they bench Breeze? And uh, have uh, Taysom Hill play the rest of this game because he was out uh, outplaying Breeze in this game. He was, he was. And, yeah, but uh, on the other hand, the Vikings' defense were far, was far superior to the Saints' defense, and that's what prevailed. That Saints' defense couldn't – I watched the highlights. Man, that Saints' defense could not stop Dalvin Cook. 28 yeah. carries, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. They had no – Not many people could this year. I think the the thing with the Saints um, that was really curious to me is I think they got away from the running game last year, and um, what happened was you know they had Alvin Kamara as the sole kind of the sole running back, which I don't think fits for an aging Drew Brees. I think they should have kept somebody like a Mark Ingram, and they should have had a, a balanced attack. I think Latavius Murray was available to them, and I think they won more games when they gave him the ball. Uh, and I think they should have stuck with that. And I think it's the same thing with against the Vikings because Saints were in this position last year. And part of the reason why they lost last year was because Drew Brees wasn't playing necessarily up to snuff. And I think you have to have a solid running back in the backfield with an aging Drew Brees. It just doesn't make much yeah. sense to me that they didn't do that. But the Vikings definitely deserve to win this game. Mm-hmm. I think they played a better game overall than the Saints. The defense was fantastic. Um, and I also want to add that ten, that uh, Adam Thielen had a great game despite missing several, uh, like, five, six games towards the later of the season. Exactly. He had seven catches and 129 uh, receiving yards. What including the, the, yeah, the, including the game win, uh, re- game-winning catch <laughs> in the overtime. Oh, no, that was Kyle like, Rudolph, though. A game-winning touchdown, but he had the game-winning catch to set up that touchdown. Yeah. Oh, right. right, right it was like right. a 40-yard catch. Incredible game from from all their players that they need because we've always known that the, the Vikings have talented players. Yeah. That was never the issue. Mm-hmm. It's just can Kirk Cousins step up when the in the moment when they need him to, and he did for this game. He did. And what's surprising also is that he only had six picks all your season. <laughs> Where was this one, the Redskins? Seriously. Like, I – I have no idea. And on the game-winning touchdown throw, it was a fade. What are yeah. you going to do? Dilly what? squat with the Redskins. And again, he didn't have the receivers with the Redskins, so that's probably yep, part of it. Yeah, that is but, true. But still, I mean, even so, I mean, he is he is definitely taking a step. Before we move on, there was argument that Kyle Rudolph, who got the game-winning touchdown in overtime, uh, could have committed a offensive pass interference. Do you think it was offensive pass interference? No, no. I think it was sticky tacky. It was. I, so uh, just, I mean, it was just a slight nudge, if that. I think people are making a big deal out of something because the it's it's because it's the Saints and because they were in the exactly. same situation last year. Exactly, that's the reason why they made a big. Although hustle. in the post game, I thought they handled it well, as opposed to uh, 
the NFC uh, Championship game, which, yeah. look, I can't blame them for. Yeah, I can't blame them. I think they knew blame. what happened back then. They were kind of like, let's not complain about this because, you know, it would just see come across as that we're making excuses. And let's face it, this uh, new uh, rule for reviewing uh, pass interference calls, which was only for one year, was only just to please Saints fans. And I know. Essentially, yeah. It's been atrocious because there have been several calls that could have been pass interference, yeah. didn't get reviewed. In my opinion, but. I think they didn't They didn't reverse it because they don't want to uh, reverse so many, and they want this rule to go away. Right. That's just my opinion. It and it's going to go away. Yeah. And then the final wild card game was the Seattle Seahawks against the Philadelphia Eagles. As the Seattle Seahawks won seventeen to nine, it was a very close game. Uh, the biggest, the biggest news. Actually, of the game, it wasn't really that close if you're watching the game. Yeah. Well, true. Because it, the score was seventeen to nine, but it could have easily been thirty-five to seven yeah. because yeah. it's the Seahawks versus the Philadelphia wheelchairs, essentially. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> so the reason he said the Philadelphia wheelchairs—that's good. Well, the, re- the reason he said, the, Samir said the Philadelphia wheelchairs was the biggest news of the game was Carson Wentz. Going down with a concussion thanks to a helmet to helmet hit by Jadavian Clowney. Oh man, what's the. Uh, I feel bad for Carson Wentz because, I mean, he, gets, he keeps getting injured yep. all the time. This is an every year thing, and it's usually around the playoffs. So it's like, I, I you know, and it's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's Carson Wentz's fault. Yeah, it but, isn't. Because you know, that was, was just a bang bang play. It's just a bang bang play. You know, there's not much you can do about yeah. it, but it's, it is unfortunate that we're not actually seeing the full strength yeah. Carson Wentz. But yeah, the Seahawks, honestly, they, they would have destroyed the Eagles. On, they should have destroyed the Eagles, and it just didn't on the hit, on the scoreboard. It should have been flagged because that was a helmet-to-helmet hit. Yeah. Do I think it was intentional? No, no. I don't think so. I think I, I think a wrong place, wrong time would be appropriate in that play. Yep. But it definitely should have been flagged. Sure. Um, I do think that Philadelphia would have won had Carson Wentz stayed healthy. I disagree because yeah. Eagles, they didn't have their They're top receiver. Bad. They didn't have their ba- – their, uh, in uh, Alshon Jeffrey, they didn't have their backup receiver in Aguilar. They didn't have another third receiver. Their fourth receiver got cut and sent to the Dolphins oh, because he was that bad. In, uh, and you went to school with him? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, in Matt Collins and, and their uh, offensive line was also – they were getting people off the street, kind of like how the Redskins were last season. Their running back, they lost uh, – Jordan Howard for yeah. this, uh, this this season. Their secondary, their defense was also not as great because of injury. Yeah, they were not good. They were not. They should not have won this game in any way, shape, or form. It's True, just, but not, they were not good this season. But I think that Carson Wentz could have found a way because he is elusive. But the injury bug bit him again, yeah. so he had to be replaced because by of that elusivity. <laughs> he had to be replaced by. Josh McCown, who went 18 of 24 for 174 yards, but he got banged up, but he still stayed in the game because I think the Eagles had no other quarterback. I, on yeah, the the, I, yeah uh, Nate Sudfeld, he, I, he may have been inactive, but yeah. in worst case, I think they had Greg Ward, their receiver, who was their starting receiver in this game, was basically their emergency quarterback, I would believe, because he played quarterback at uh, Houston. Right. That's yeah. right, that's right. McCown, I think, had to deal with, like, what, a quad injury? 
He, uh, a, I think a hamstring. Yeah, I, I think it was more of a hamstring a than hamstring, a quad. Hamstring, and then he, he tried his best, but Seattle was too much for them. Yeah. And they advanced to face the Green Bay Packers. In Lambeau. In Lambeau, and I forgot to mention the Minnesota Vikings have to go to San Francisco. All these games are going to be really good. I can't wait to see them. I think the Ravens, Titans, Ravens could probably be a blowout. Um, they could probably blow out the Titans. But other than that, I think all of those games are really Okay, good. so divisional rounds. First game, Vikings against 49ers. Who do you think wins? Uh, 49ers. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> tossing and turning so, over this. So. Uh, I'm going to say 49ers because of the defense. I had him, I, I, me, my parents, and uh, – Actually, my mom and me, and I think Keith, our other good friend, we all picked the Ravens versus uh, 49ers to be in the Super Bowl. And, of course, I'm not happy because my Super Bowl pick was going to be, I think, Ravens or Chiefs versus Saints. Yeah, Chiefs versus Saints. And I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> so they're knocked out in round one itself. So, yeah, I'm picking the 49ers because of their defense, their running game, and they'll be hard to stop at home. So, Nathan, I'm picking the 49ers for the same reasons. Um, I do think Debo Samuel makes some big play mm. um, to win the game. It'll be a close game, but I got the 49ers edging out the Vikings. I would say 49ers going to be a very close defensive game, but I think um, a big play on defense is going to come from Nick Bosa Ooh. and the Forrest Buckner with uh, crucial sacks. Next game on Saturday, Titans versus Ravens. Um, Nathan and I predicted that the Ravens will win because Lamar Jackson cannot be stopped. Special. What about you, Nathan? Yeah, Lamar is just special. He he doesn't really get tense when it comes to these big games. Um, he just. I mean, he did last this time last year against the Chargers. They made him a shell of himself. They did, but that was because they they basically knew what offense they were running, and I think he hadn't really grown in that offense yet. But mm. now he's grown a lot more as a passer. Um, as well as a, as a runner, I think he's more confident in this offense. So I don't think that will be as big of a concern as it was last year. Um, plus, they have a fantastic defense. They have a great running game with Mark Ingram, you know, Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon on, in the backfield. No, I think both are gone. No, Kenneth Dixon is gone, I thought. Kenneth is gone. Okay, oh, Kenneth is probably okay. gone. But Gus, I think Gus is still yeah. gone. But, I mean, it's, they still have a really fantastic uh, uh, running game. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. But it should be interesting. Yep. I mean, it's a battle between two high-powered rushing offenses because you also have – we just talked about DeHenry going off for like almost 200 yards against the Patriots. With running quarterbacks. Yep. And, yeah, but I think the Ravens will win. They also have a great defense like uh, Nathan mentioned. Their cornerback, Marcus Peters, has been a revelation Mm -hmm. once they got him midseason. Sure has. Has several pick sixes, and Mm -hmm. he's been basically – Reminds me of kind of like of uh, Ed Reed in a way of how yeah. he ball hawks and takes it to the house. Right. So, yeah, I'm looking for a Ravens win, and obviously I have to root for the Ravens since I was born in Baltimore. So, I forgot to mention, uh, what do you think the score will be? Mm, so, for the 49ers game, I think it will be close. I would say 27-23. Uh, I had 23-17 yeah. for, the, for the 49ers. 23-17. I'm going to have to say 20 to 17. <laughs> so similar scores. similar scores. And then for the Ravens game, Nathan? Ravens game, I think, is going to be a little bit more offensive, um, believe it or not, because I think the running games are going to be pretty stout. I'm going to go, go 27-20. 
Ravens. I'm going to go the opposite route. think this will be a low-scoring game due to the, the great defenses and the running game of both teams. And I'm going to say more like, let's go 19 to 12. <laughs> both of them, you got Ravens, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go 30 to 17. 30-17. Jeez, okay. blots. And here yeah. were the Ravens. Because and then, if, they struck, if Ryan Tannehill struggled uh, badly against the Patriots defense, imagine how they're going to struggle against the Ravens defense, especially with Marcus Peters uh, balling the way he has since yep. being the ball ball. Yeah, I should be interested. So right now I have the blowout. <laughs> and <laughs> then we have on Sunday, first game on Sunday, Houston Texans go to Arrowhead to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Who wins and why? I think this will be an upset, actually. Oh, really? I'm picking the Texans. Uh, Deshaun Watson will have a huge game. Should rebound against a semi-weak Chiefs defense. I mean, they have played well as of late, but they still have their... uh, Issues because with their secondary because I think uh, Breland is also ban- banged up and true. several of their other defensive players. So I think I'm going to have the Texans win probably in uh, this one. Will, I feel like will be a surprisingly in a blowout. Uh, mm. I could be wrong, but I'm going to say 24-13. Right, Bill O'Brien thanks you. <laughs> yeah, Samir uh, is is raising the uh, rally flag. I. Personally, do think the Chiefs will still win this game. Um, I think this could be a blowout. Um, I, I really think – I mean, the, the Texans got fortunate against the, the Bills. They should have lost that game. It's not going to be in their hometown. It's going to be in Arrowhead Stadium, which is very tough to win in. True. The Chiefs have had a weak rest, um, so they've, they've gotten their guys to be able to rest up a little bit. Pat Mahomes, you know he wants he wants revenge over last year losing to the Patriots. I think the I think this could be a blowout, and I got the score thirty four seventeen uh, for the for the Chiefs. So, but it could be a really interesting game. I think Deshaun Watson's hungry, so I'd like to see how well he plays in this game. How can he have revenge against the Patriots if the Patriots are eliminated? Well, he'll have revenge by winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. that's the key okay. for him. Yeah. So for me, I got Chiefs winning. I think uh, I think it's going to be a uh, blowout, like uh, Nathan said, because um, Pat Mahomes. Even though he's not going off like he did in his second year, um, still I, amazing. He's still, <laughs> he's still hard to guard, especially when he has a weapon like Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. and also Travis Kelsey and Travis That's Kelsey. Right. Uh, now they don't have Kareem Hunt there, but they're still a dangerous team. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Chiefs win forty to one. So first team to score forty among the divisional teams. Yeah, especially if they still have Jonathan Joseph out. The last divisional game, the Seattle Seahawks go to Lambeau to face the Green Bay Packers. Who wins and why? I think Packers win because they have the better running game because you have Marshawn Lynch and uh, who else? Uh, Robert Turbin. And we didn't see their offense going in the final game in Week 17, nor in the wild card game, the running game against the Eagles. And this, despite, like I said, the Eagles being so injury-ravaged. So I think the uh, Packers at home, with their better, the better uh, running game, uh, with uh, I think Aaron Jones goes off for a one, 150 and uh, three touchdowns. I think Ooh. he has one of those kind of games like he had during the regular season. They rely on him because Aaron Rodgers 
has not been playing like the Aaron Rodgers of old. He's been pretty average for the past three months, and this coming as I was owning him in two leagues in fantasy. <laughs> I was waiting for that 20, 30-point ex- fantasy explosion, but that never came. You have to resort to Ryan Tannehill and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in the last two weeks in the playoffs at two in championship. But regardless, I think the Packers win uh, decisively. This will be a blowout. 35-17. Okay. okay. Nathan? Um, this is tough for me because whenever the Packers and the and the Seahawks get together, it's always a battle. Um, it always comes down to the to the last quarter. Um, I it is hard to be Aaron Rodgers in, in Lambeau, but um, I I think C- Seattle has something special this year. Bringing Marshawn Lynch back, I think the team has really rallied behind that. Um, they have a really good receiver uh, crew. Um, I do agree that the running game is probably better on the on the Packers side, but there's something about the Seahawks that seems really special this year. Um, even though they barely beat the Eagles, they went to Philly to beat them, so that, that that's something to say. I'm gonna have to say the Seahawks. I'm gonna go hmm. 24-21 in Lambeau Field. I think Russell Wilson is gonna pull it out in overtime. I can see it a close game. I'm gonna go Seahawks too. Again, nothing against Aaron Rodgers, but yeah, he's. Not playing up to the level that we expected him to play in previous years. I do think the running game is going to be tough for the Seattle defense to uh, defend, although I do not think Aaron Jones is going to have three touchdowns. I think it's going to be a touchdown each by Jones and Jamal Williams. Hmm, who has been quiet as of late. That's yeah. very true. But Coach Mavitt Floor has been a fan of uh, Jamal Williams and wants to get him more involved in the game. Mm-hmm. I do think Aaron Rodgers – I'm not a hater of Aaron Rodgers, but I do think he'll throw two picks. Two Jeez. Picks. Yeah. So I think that Seattle defense is going to wreak havoc for Green Bay. Yeah. So I think Seattle wins 27-17. to 27-17. Okay. And then moving on, we also have a, a big college football game coming up this Monday night. It's the national championship game. Between two Tigers. It's the Tiger Bowl. Yep, essentially. But (laughs) it's the national championship game as well being played in uh, New Orleans between LSU Tigers and the Clemson Tigers. And both teams are undefeated as of this point, and only one will remain undefeated come Monday night. And the Clemson Tigers are the defending national champions. Yep, they've won 29 straight games as they won the last championship and won the – was undefeated last season. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's both both Southeast uh, teams, not in the Southeast Conference, and that goes to LSU. Mm-hmm. But regardless, should be a good, great matchup between two heavyweight teams, high scoring. I'm predicting a score of like in the 30s, yeah, I agree. like 30, 40 range. So like 45, I'm going to say 30, 45, I'm going to say it right now, 45, uh, 35, uh, 45, 41 LSU because of Joe Burrow, his Heisman Season has been remarkable. He's like 80% completion percentage this season or something like that this mm-hmm. year, which is insane. So what was the score, do you say? 45-41. 45-41. At LSU. LSU. You know, I um, I think it's going to be a close matchup. Like you said, it's really, it's really great to see these two quarterbacks go head-to-head, Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, two fantastic quarterbacks. Um, it's funny because we typically see LSU as a high – high defensive team, but to, to see the fact that they have a quarterback that's won the Heisman, I don't know how long it's been for them since that's happened. Oh, yeah. if, if ever that's happened. Uh, did Jamarcus Russell win the Heisman? No. 
No, I don't think he did. I don't think it, uh, he might have, but I don't think. He but did. I think he was part but, of that. Uh, no way. No, he was not part of that championship uh, LSU team LSU. with LSU. I think that was Matt Flint. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. But Jamarcus Russell, I haven't heard that name in a long, it's been a long time. <laughs> but I do think um, both of these teams are good. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Clemson Tigers because they are the defending national champions. They have been here. They're not as good as the team as they have last year. But then again, I think the Alabama and Clemson team of last year are better than both of these teams this year. Um, so I think the Clemson Tigers will actually um, eke out this game, and I do agree. I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be something in the range of probably 35 to 34. It's going to be a very, very close game, but it's going to be exciting. Okay, this is a tough for me. I know, LSU they destroyed Oklahoma, which was 63 to 28. That wasn't a game at all. Closest game was Ohio State Clemson, and Clemson managed to squeak out a victory. This is a tough choice because LSU has been very impressive all season long. Joe Burrow was is having a was having Joe Joe Burrow is having a terrific season for LSU. Finally, LSU got the quarterback that they needed because they've always had great defense. Mm-hmm. It's just they lacked a quarterback. Exactly. Ed Ogeron has done a masterful job mm-hmm. leading this LSU He's a team. Great coach. Yep. And then Clemson, ah, it's hard to it's hard to underestimate Davo Sweeney because just when you think Clemson's going down, they find a way to to win the game. Always. Just ask Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be close. I normally don't go against LSU, but actually, I think I picked against LSU when they faced Alabama, but I was proven wrong. Um, I'm going to go Clemson. Clemson. Yep. Um, but not, but very close. It can go either way. I can definitely see LSU winning, but Clemson will just find a way to squeak out a win, and it's going to be very close. I do think it's going to be. I think they're going to score the game-winning field goal as time expires. So I'm going to go Clemson. Let's see. I'm going to go Clemson forty. To 38. 40-38. Yep. yep. Should be exciting come yep. Monday night. Should be fun. Yep. Looking forward to it. And, and then we're going to go ahead and move on to NBA basketball. I'm gonna and before it. that, we're oh, going to yeah. do uh, my favorite event that we do every week. Uh, oh, yeah. The every birthday time. Game. Yep. The birthday game. So this is the first time we are doing the birthday game. And I think since mid-October, because when, uh, Samir, would, when Samir couldn't join us, uh, it was hard to do the birthday game with just one person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we have eight birthdays on the slate for uh, from famous people, for uh, uh, current and retired uh, players. So we're going to start off with a former pitcher, Carl Pavano. So there, three of these baseball players all have retired recently, like within the last like, 10, 20 years. So, Carl Pavano. I'm guessing, I'm guessing Paolo is, is signaling that uh, he's given me the uh, floor for that yep. one. Uh, Carl Pavano. The name sounds familiar. He played on the Yankees, I believe. He played on yep. the uh, Twins. Bunch of teams. Last played? Uh, then I'll have to look that up. Okay. I'm going to guess um, 54. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. For me, ooh. Uh, he last played in 2012. 
All right. So I'm going to go. What did you say, Nathan? 54. All right. I'm going to say 50. Unfortunately, that is. Ooh. He uh, is 44. 44. <laughs> you were off by 10. Yes. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, the king of. Uh, the king in uh, music, the music industry, um, was famous in Nashville and whatnot. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley. How old would he have been had he been still living right now? Oh my goodness, Elvis Presley. Okay, Nathan went famous. Yep. So, yes, I want to say 60s, 70s. I don't know. Maybe younger, earlier than that. Yeah. He started the era in the 40s. Yep. It's my turn. So how old is Elvis? Had he been still living? Oh, boy. I think 95. I'm going to be wrong on this. Nathan? I think 102. That's my guess. Way off. 85. 85? Wow. I'm off by 10. (laughs) Wow. I was off by 10. Going back to uh, baseball, this uh, player is known for... Wearing a golden thong back in the <laughs> with the Yankees, <laughs> Jason Giambi. Oh, Jason Giambi. Hold on, a golden oh, thong. Yeah, he wore it as yeah, good luck. Jason Giambi was interesting. Did he, he watch Austin Powers? Did he watch? He was in the uh, home run derby. Yep. He's hit monster home runs. Uh, athletics has I'm a, a brother who played in. Yeah. Game. So Nathan. Um, I am going to guess it's been a while since he's played. I think he probably retired around the same time, 2012. I'm going to guess 45. Paolo? Uh, I'm going to say 48. Oof, Paolo, off by one. Oh, man. 49, 49. years old. It's close. Going back oh, to the man. famous people, uh, this is also a very famous uh, singer. He he also passed away. I want to say within the last five years, mm-hmm. David Bowie. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, it's your turn. Bob. It's my turn. Okay. Yes. Uh, David Bowie. Yeah. I'm gonna say he's fifty-five. If, if he were still living. If he were still living, yeah. Because he passed away yeah, recently. Fifty-five. Hmm. I'm gonna go seventy. Close, but no cigar, Nathan. 73. 73. Nice. And then the last <laughs> baseball player, he, I believe he played on the uh, Padres and I think a little bit on the Yankees, listening on the Yankees, Mike Cameron, the outfielder. The These all three players have retired around the same time, pretty much. Uh, let me see. I'll go in the middle. Uh, yeah, 2011 was his last year. I'll go in the middle, and I will go with 47. I'm going to go 41. Nathan! Hey! Oh, 47 wow. on the dot. There we go, there we go. And going back to uh, another person that passed away recently, the physicist on a wheelchair, Stephen Hawking. Uh-huh. Paolo, you have the floor. Your guess as to how old. He's up there. Yep. 70? I'm going to guess 82. In the middle of both answers, oh, man. 78. 78. Wow. And then the last uh, ba- uh, last player is actually a women's uh, basketball player. He She played on the Mystics, 
was involved in the trade for Elena Deladon and then mm. went out to the Chicago oh, Sky. Oh, you guys are going to know this. I'm not... uh, Stephanie Dolson. Stephanie. Just to put it uh, uh, around the ballpark, around our age. She was traded in for Elena Deladon. I would have to say... And was drafted by us. 27? I'm going to match at 27. One off, 28. That's what I was thinking of doing too, but I was like, I better match it because I got to I gotta get, keep ahead of power. And then the last birthday, famous birthdays, this guy is still living, the only living famous person on born on uh, January 8th, Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un, man. <laughs> How old is he? Believe it or not, he's around our age. Kim Jong-un? I mean, like, more or less. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to say it's between 20 and 40. I know he's that young. I'm going to go. He's got to be older. Can't be in his 20s. Yeah, there's no way he's in his 20s. <laughs> there's no way. I'm going to go 35. Philo, can you tie it if you get this right? 33. Up. <laughs> Uh, Nathan was closest, 36. 36. I was, uh, about, I was thinking about, I was thinking, those last two, I was thinking about both 36 and 28. So, well, with the, yep, with the new year, Nathan gets the first yeah, win. starting the new year on the, off right. <laughs> and so now we're going to quickly dive into the NBA, college basketball, and baseball as we wrap up our program. Yeah, let's go ahead and get to the NBA. I'm going to go uh, quickly through this because um, of time constraints. Basically, right now in the NBA, um, we have our two leaders in the clubhouse, which are the Lakers in the Western Conference. Your Lakers? My Lakers, which I am enjoying them finally playing at the, the level that we expect the Lakers to play at. Anthony Davis has been fantastic. Obviously, LeBron James has been fantastic. Even though he did have a fall yesterday's game. Had a scary fall yesterday's game. Thankfully, he's only going to be out two games. I was I was so spooked when I saw that. Him and KCP, too, also took a pretty mm-hmm. heavy fall um, with a slap across the head. Um, but, um, yeah, they, they have been playing extremely well. 30-7 right now is their record. Um, lost against a couple really good teams, so hopefully they can start beating some better teams. Um, but overall, very impressed with what how they've done up to this point. Then quickly, the Nuggets have been very good as well. Jokic is finally um, finally stepping up a lot more. The Rockets have obviously been pretty good. Uh, I guess the Russell and James Harden connection is working. Still, it still it has its kinks for sure. It's not a perfect connection, but. Um, for what it is right now, they're doing good on the regular season, but come playoff time is really the key. Clippers uh-huh. are struggling, but they've been struggling with injuries as well as, you know, Paul George and Kawhi haven't really played together a whole lot throughout the season, so that's going to be interesting. The Jazz have bounced back after struggling at the beginning of the season. They're seeming to find their footing. I assume that they would because they're a very talented team. Mm-hmm. Don, Don Mitchell, it was just a matter of time when he kind of got used to everything. Mike Conley's finally starting to get used to his role. So they're looking pretty pretty good. The Mavericks have taken a step back, even though Luka Doncic is still playing extremely well. MVP he caliber. MVP caliber. I mean, this dude is basically averaging a triple-double for the season. He's been playing out of his mind. The guy is definitely the future in this league. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder have been a surprise. Most people did not expect the Thunder to do yeah, well. Yeah, despite but, losing uh, Westbrook, despite losing yep, Paul George. Paul George, and they lost Jeremy Grant as well. So they lost a lot of key players. And I think they also lost – there was one other person. Uh, I can't 
can't remember. This was the they, Rockets, right? Yeah, this is this is the Thunder. Yeah. The, no, yeah, right. they lost it to the Rockets, yeah. and then they also lost it to the Clippers, if I remember. They lost a couple of players to the Clippers. Okay. So, but this team has really rallied. I mean, talk about guys like Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, and then yeah, I was gonna say SGA. SGA, he's been very good. Stephen Adams, as usual, has been really good. Danilo Gallinari has been a nice bright spot for them. So the, the Thunder have been playing well over the course of the season, especially um, towards the second half of the beginning of the season. Um, and they're really improving each game. They could be a dark horse um, to make the playoffs in one of those last spots. They're in the number seven spot right now. The Spurs are in the number eight spot, but by the skin of their teeth, they are not playing well this year. They're struggling yeah. heavily. And you can say that for pretty much the rest of the teams there, Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Kings, Timberwolves, Suns, Pelicans, uh, Warriors. You're really surprised to see the Timberwolves and the Trailblazers there. Um, and the Suns there, because the Suns started out really well, but they've obviously become one of those teams that maybe that was fool's gold. And it seemed like as, as though it's the same thing with the Timberwolves. Yeah, so, but then again, uh, they've been without Cat, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, for 10 straight true. games. That's very true. That's very true. They they have been out out with um, with their best players. So I'm sure once Cat comes back, things will change a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's still, it's still a little bit of a struggle. But I will say this. The Western Conference has been, once again, competitive. Most teams are at least in the double digits in wins. Um, the only team that's really been bad is the Warriors, and even they've given a lot of teams some fight. So I would say overall the Western Conference has been pretty entertaining um, for the start of the season. And then I'll go quickly to the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee Bucks obviously have been the phenomenal. They've been the best team in the league probably, um, both offensively and defensively. They've beaten the best teams. Um, so And Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's playing at an MVP level as well. Um, Celtics have been playing very well. The Heat, dark horse team, in my opinion, because they play phenomenal defensive um, ball. And Bio has yep. really improved over the And they've the past gotten season. a lot of players off the street and have played yes. well. Like hero. They've got uh, Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. Um, uh, what's his name? Hold on, I, I think uh, I'm Dune, I can't remember. I can't was, uh, Duncan Robinson? No. Yeah, we said that. Number 25 or 22? Uh, Kendrick Dunn. Kendrick Dunn. Yeah, Dunn. Dunn. Kendrick Nunn. Nunn. Kendrick Nunn. Right. Yeah. He's and been fantastic Nunn. for them as well. Um, they just have a really good team overall. Very good defensive team. And they're coached extremely well. They're by going to be Eric Spolstra. Yep. By Eric Spolstra. Yeah, he's been there a long time. He's been there quite a while now. And so it's they're just a tough team. They're going to be a hard out regardless of the playoffs. Raptors, they've taken a step back, but that's because Pascal has also been and injured. quickly on the heat, right now it's the third quarter. They're winning against the Pacers, 80-62. to 62. It's good. And the, the, the Pacers are a good team. So, and they're um, going to get uh, Oladipo back within the next, yeah, end of the month. I was going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, they, they are going to get Oladipo back. We'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, 76ers are in the fifth spot, um, which is unexpected. A lot of people thought they would be number better, one. Yeah. <laughs> Much better, yeah. Um, but Ben Simmons has not gotten a jump shot yet. Joel, he did hit two threes this year. He did two threes this year. <laughs> First so two threes of his career. I'm still so surprised that this actually happened. Ben right. Simmons actually <laughs> shot two threes. And made. There is improvement, but um, it, it's it's a slow process, obviously. <laughs> so we, we is a wait and see with Ben Simmons. Uh, Pacers have been playing very well. Yep. Damont and Damontis uh, uh, Sobanis yes. has been basically averaging 20 and 10 every game. 20 and 10. That guy's been a steal. Um, 
honestly, they they couldn't have asked for a better um, option. Obviously, Miles Turner, guys, Malcolm Brogdon was the perfect pickup for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been playing very well. And then the rest of these teams are below 500. Um, Magic, Nets have uh, played quite poorly. Seven straight losses. Seven straight Despite, losses. Despite uh, Spencer Dinwiddie playing exceptionally well. Exceptionally well, yeah. And this surprisingly losing. And he's, he's one of the top ten league um, getters. Or vote, uh, lead, vote getters, uh, lead, well. or, yeah, vote getters in, in the Eastern Conference. Um, but what's su- what's surprising is that Kyrie Irving has been out for what two yeah. months. Yeah. Everyone thought it would Over be just a week to week injury. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about <laughs> that as well. Um, the Hornets have been a nice surprise. A lot of t- people, young the players, yeah, worst team in the NBA. But the, their young players are stepping up. They're winning games. Terrors here. Devontae Graham has been playing all star level. He had a game where he had, he had 40 points, over seven threes, and he was unconscious. Like this dude, this this dude was just going off. He is a special player. He's definitely somebody to watch out for. I've heard some comparisons about Klay Thompson in terms of his offensive mm. ability. I definitely see that in this guy. Keep an eye out for him. He's only 24 years old. Yeah, only 24 years old. Second year player. Guy. Second year player, so I look forward to seeing what his future is going to look oh, like. No. With the Houston, he's uh, the he's homegrown, Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina, even better. So you know, Mike's you know Mike's happy about that. Um, then the Detroit Pistons, they of course underperformed as they typically do. And now Blake Griffin's possibly out for the year. He's possibly out for the year. When is Blake Griffin right. not out for the year? So they and they've been looking to trade Andre Drummond for the past couple of weeks. We'll see if that actually materializes. Chicago Bulls have been disappointing. Um, that's really the word to say for them. They, you know, Zach Levine. I expected more from both him and Lauren Markkinen. They haven't played poorly individually, but in terms of you know leadership and collecting this team, I feel like they've missed the the opportunity. They there. also have former. They have former Wizards um, Otto Porter and Sato. Yeah, Thomas but, uh, but on one hand, yeah, Otto Porter has been out for the entire year. Exactly. The other hand, uh, uh, Sato has been uh, playing really well with the team he as has, a sixth man. He's been playing very well. Um, I just expected more from them. I expected them to at least be at 500, mm-hmm. um, and they, I feel like they can play better. They just need to kick it into gear. Um, the Wizards have struggled, but they've had some bright spots. Isaiah Thomas has played well for them. Actually, not really. Well, not not recently, but he's no. had some periodically good. He's play. been a dud. They had a very impressive win against the Boston Celtics without Bradley Beal, without yeah. Louis Hachimura, without Thomas that. Bryant. Yep. Yeah, I was going to get to that, actually. Yeah. It's been a re- injury-ravaged season for the team. Right. So much so that they're starting lineup every week for the past, like, this whole week has been all bench players. Yep. They're starting lineup. So guys like Troy Brown, Jan Mahidmi starting, and players yeah. that they recently signed a week or so ago are in their starting lineup, like Gary Payton the second. We're staying for the rest of the season. Yep. Yeah. So they're so injury-ravaged that the Wizards were granted injury exceptions for going past the 15-man <laughs> roster yeah. to get those two additional players in Payton and this uh, other uh, European guy who they had in uh, training camp, uh, um, Andres Pasinkis. So despite that, they won games against the Heat, the Celtics, and the Nuggets. Wow. I mean, that it goes to show you that in this league, you can still win by good coaching. And if you, and if you put together a team that really wants to win to yeah. your, to your, your idea, then you can still win in this league. Now, obviously in the playoffs, things change a little bit, but 
in terms of regular season, you can win games if you get this team to, to work together and you get them to play hard and focus in. You can still win games, even against the best of teams. And we're in January, and in February comes the, the trade deadline. Right. The first week of Feb, I believe, because they change it up. Yeah, yeah, and the trade the trade ideas are starting to heat up, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm going to finish out real quick with the Knicks, Cavaliers, and Hawks have all been displayed, especially the Hawks. The Hawks have been absolutely awful from the beginning. From the beginning of the season, they were actually pretty decent, and they looked like they, they could possibly be a playoff team. But since then, they have gone on a absolute down. Um, just they've gone down uh, quite a bit. And even with John Collins coming back, they still struggle mildly. I mean, they um, still have a potential all-star candidate in uh, Trey Young, yeah, who's I mean, been really good. They do, and, and that's, the, that's the reason why you can definitely look at this team as a whole, and there's there's issues, you know, you'd expect Kevin Herter to have stepped up. I, he did. He Recently, he scored like 20-plus points in like three, four straight games. Recently, but at the beginning of the season, yeah, he was he not, was not well. good. Yeah. So it's like they, they've needed consistent play from multiple people. Trey Young has really been... The only focal spot for, yeah. in any way, shape, or form. And he actually had a meltdown halfway through the season mm-hmm. and was like, I really want help from <laughs> from the, to the organization. That's what he was saying. The organization said they were going to look for help for Trey Young. They were, they've been rumored to possibly get Andre Drummond mm-hmm. as well. Yep. So that there's been a couple of things in terms of that, but we'll see how that actually turns and out. Currently at halftime, it's Houston Rockets 77, Atlanta Hawks 62. Yeah, so that's a, that's a microcosm of the season for the Atlanta Hawks. Real quick, there's a couple points that we'll talk about, and we'll go in a little bit about, um, but we'll keep it pretty brief. Let's talk real quick about Oladipo's return. Um, he is, um, in fact, returning. Oladipo should be coming back by the end of the month. January 29th is the target date against the Bulls. Um, this is a huge thing because um, a lot of people were even thinking that he might not even return this year. Um, but um, it seems as though he will be able to return back before the All-Star break. What are you guys' thoughts on the Oladipo coming back? It's huge for the Pacers. Exactly, because yeah. they've been without Brogdon, I believe, for the past week or so. so. And so they've been stepping it up with uh, the ho- the uh, holidays. Mm-hmm. They have uh, Aaron Holiday and uh, Justin, Holiday. Justin yeah. yeah, both in the lineup. And, and so factor in uh, Miles Turner, Don- DeMontes, Savannah's, yep. Which, by the way, the holidays are the only three brothers to have been in the NBA all at the same time. And play against each other in the same and game. Before yeah. when the New Orleans faces exactly. uh, the Pacers. Yeah. Oh, one more player, uh, TJ Warren. Yeah. TJ Warren. Yeah, yeah, he's been huge for so the if team. If you get back Brogdon and Oladipo with that uh, Pacers team, you're you're going to see the Pacers, I think, right now from six. It could possibly jump up to three, in my opinion. Yeah, dark very, horse very to possible. win the East. Yeah, it's yeah. very possible. They, they're that talented of a team, very good on defense. They're a stout defensive team, very well coached, and you just really need that all-star, and I think Oladipo is that. Hopefully he can come back at 100% strength. So we are looking forward to that return for Victor Oladipo. Um, second point, 80s MRI comes back clean. He'll only miss two games. What do you guys have to say about that? I mean, he's been kind of injury prone this season, but then again, when and he over plays, the course of his career. But then when he plays, he's outstanding. Like in the other game, uh, he had eight blocks. Yeah, eight yeah. blocks. That in that game, the Lakers had twenty blocks. Yeah, because I think yeah, Dwight Howard also set up like five blocks yeah. and like 
Yeah, it was against the Knicks, right? Against, so, I think it was. It was either against no. Was it against the Knicks or? He has was, five. He had I think five it was the points game before that. He had five points against the Knicks. Yeah, it was against mm-hmm. the Pelicans. Pelicans, yeah, Pelicans. Pelicans. Yeah, he went off, and I think he scored fifty in that game too. Mm. A very quiet fifty, but uh, it is good to see that it's not forty-six. Crazy. Yeah, so he was close to fifty. Yeah. Forty-six points, thirteen rebounds, and an assist. It's insane. It's insane. You know that was personal for him. You know it. You know <laughs> yeah. it. He, he wanted to win that game. He wanted to win that convincingly. And then quickly, I think he said, I think there was news that he wasn't going to sign an extension and he's going to be a free agent, but he's expected to stay in L.A. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, yeah I think everybody's going to um, down, you know, they're going to they're gonna put down a contract, you know, midway through the season, and every player is going to decline it because they know they can make more money at the end of the season. But it's just a formality, I think, it's – just for the team to, you know, put it out there as a Fisher, see if, see if somebody would bite. And we all knew. It was and I'm interested happen. to see this game on Friday between the Lakers and my dark horse team in the West, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, it's going to be Ooh, a fun Donchich game. Donchich versus LeBron. Donchich versus LeBron. Again, uh, part two. I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's going to be a fun game. Um, real quick, before we end out um, the NBA segment, um, real quick, there's a couple of trade packages um, that we talked about. For the Andre Drummond, um, as well as a couple other players, Drew Holiday is being uh, rumored around as well to be traded. Kevin Love has been ra- rumored mm-hmm. uh, to be traded because of his outburst last week. Exactly, yeah. he, he's good and re- and reasonably so. He's he's tired of losing. I can understand. Um, so Andre Drummond, Stephen Adams, Dwayne Dedman also has been in talks for whatever reason. Malik, Ble- Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba have all been in trade talks as well. Um, there's a lot of different teams um, these guys can go to. Um, any team or any trade that you guys want to see happen or you think might happen or any player that you think um, will be traded um, by this by this deadline um, that can make a big move mm-hmm. for a team? Hard to say because most teams have their rosters sure. pretty set, like at point guard. It's interesting to see what the Wizards will do because there's been um... – I mean, at least I hear uh, like opinions. You know, like Davis, they trade Davis Bertans. Right. I don't think they should keep, but if they trade Davis Bertans, they could get great value. Yeah, first round value because he has been playing exceptionally well before yes. he got injured. Mm-hmm. He was shooting what, like forty five percent, yeah, from three, and with uh, twenty points on that. And so, yeah, he's been making shots left, right, and center whenever he gets the ball. And so many teams have uh, wanted his. Wanted to get him, so we'll see what that. I mean, I could see the Warriors possibly trying to make one, uh, trying to make a trade, at least one, because right now they're at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, no fault of their own when you lose uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry to injuries. Or this could be like the uh, Spurs of the '90s, where they completely just tank for a year and get get like a star player, player. (laughs) because that's what the Spurs did, and they got David Robinson. In their case, yeah, it's true. I could see that easily. I think um, the the player is most likely to be traded. Marcus Morris Sr., that's another name yeah. I forgot to add. Um, but he's been in trade talks. In the Knicks. The Lakers. Yeah, exactly. And the Clippers, the Knicks, because um, he's currently on the Knicks. I think Kevin Love could easily be traded by the beginning um, of this trade deadline. I think it's necessary um, at this point. I don't think they should keep him any longer. And then um, I could see a player like Tristan Thompson. Um, I've heard his name going through the rumor mill as well. 
Um, Kyle Kuzma's name's gone through the yeah, room and all as well. ask you about that. Yeah, I think I think that one was more based off of what the trainer said. I think that's kind of blown over. Mm. I think they know they're going to want Kyle Kuzma's scoring ability. He hasn't played that well this season, but then again, he came in from being injured from uh, Team USA practice in, in the summertime. So I don't think um, that's going to be major, um, and I don't think they'll trade him. Um, they wanted to keep him from that Pelicans trade, and I don't think I see them trading him now, especially how much um, how much they've already invested in him. Um, but I could see guys like, and then one more guy I'll probably add is Andre Drummond. I think it's time for him to move on. I think he goes to the Hawks eventually. I think he goes to the Hawks eventually too, um, because honestly, you know, it, he's got one year left. The Hawks have nothing to lose in that regards. The Detroit Pistons have nothing to lose, and I think they'll gain um, something by actually so trading if you're the Hawks Andre Drummond. And you get Andre Drummond. What are you parting away? Um, that's the tough part. I think they give up. I think they give up Hunter, DeAndre yeah, Hunter. That's that's very possible. They give up DeAndre Hunter, probably a pick. Um, and then, and then probably some ass, uh, some uh, expiring contract, contract that's or something like that. worth Which, it. I would have to say it might be Vince Carter. Might be, it might be. And I, I mean, it's it's a it's a good trade. I, I think it's a good trade for both teams because at least the the um the Pistons get something in regard and in, in, uh I guess in uh in exchange Hawks, Hawks, for yeah. Andre Drummond and the the Hawks get somebody that maybe he maybe he'll be willing to resign back with the Hawks for at least a year or two to see how well he does with Trey Young. Because I think those two can connect really well. Because, yeah, he's a great pick and roll yeah, center. Yeah, pick and roll center. He's made for that. And Trey Young is exactly that. And Vince Carter, I think he's the first player to play in four decades. Four decades. Yeah, some random trivia. Believe it or not, I saw a recently a video um, of his best dunk in each of his years through all four of the decades that he's played. And he, yeah, seriously, like this guy is still half man, half amazing. He's, <laughs> he's a fantastic. Uh, player and he has been for uh, that all-star dunk. I will never forget that. Never forget that memorable moment. And then one more trade target, Andre Iguodala. I think he'll either be bought out or traded. But he'll be bought out. Something's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I think he'll be bought out. Something's gonna happen. Yeah, he hasn't played a single minute. No, not even a, a minute. minute. I'm surprised he wasn't even bought out earlier. Yeah, started. I know. Well, they were trying to hold out to see if anybody would trade for him, but obviously nobody's gonna do that because they're like, why would I trade any of my assets? to get an aging player on the salary that you're going to be paying him. Any chance if so, he gets bought out, he goes back to the Warriors? No. no he's no going chance. to the Lakers. Yeah, Lakers or Clippers? Lakers or Clippers. That's, I think, the two biggest um, targets. Darren Collison has also been um, rumored um, to be signed as a free agent. So those are a couple of the, of the players um, that I think will be in this trade season. Um, overall, I won't go over to the All-Star yet because we're still kind of um, part of ways out. Yeah, we'll um, wait for a few episodes. Yeah, we'll yeah, wait a few episodes know. for that. But I would like to add that there are some great – I always like the silly picks that they have in there for, you know, the top vote-getters. Alex Caruso is Yep, and there. then and Thon Maker's uh, six. Thon Maker is six, and he hasn't played a, a – I mean, he has. Taco Fall. Taco Fall, yeah. Taco Fall is six, and he, he's he's – Gotten a couple of dunks, gotten the, the crowd excited a little bit, but other than that, he's been a non-factor. <laughs> and then Dwight Howard also is um is added there. I think people are loving his resurgence. 
but he's not playing. Where was this with the Wizards? I know. <laughs> well, I think he had to refocus. I think the buttocks is fine now. <laughs> I know. I think he changed changed his mindset and he refocused. And it's good to see that he is yeah. finally starting to grow um, and kind of separate himself from that situation. I think so. another guy to keep an eye on, maybe for ideally um, a buyout, OKC Andre Roberson. The guy is just keeps getting hurt, and he hasn't played since the 2017-2018 season. Yeah, it's yeah. time to cut him. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't understand why they keep him now, um, especially now that Russell and Paul George have moved on. The whole team nucleus, yeah. Yeah, nucleus is left. I don't think he recognizes the team that he's on now. I think they have to cut him, give him an opportunity to maybe sign with another team, maybe sign with the Houston Rockets because um, they could use defense. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's they – they need to let him go because it's been it's or, been past or time. maybe he doesn't play at all because that rupture with what was it? I think it was he ruptured. He's making a lot of money not playing. Left patel <laughs> patellar tendon yeah. it must be a serious uh, as a uh, yeah. It's true. It's true. Now the, the fortunate thing with Andre Roberson is he's never been an explosive athlete. He's been a he's been a very good defender, which requires some explosion. Um, but uh, that's where he's fortunate. But unfortunately, it is a very uh, uh, devastating injury. So hopefully he can get back. But I don't think the, the Thunder should hold on to him any longer. But that's going to do it for our NBA segment and move on to our last segment of the day. And that's going to go into some college basketball yep. with Samir. Yep. And so we're going to talk about the Maryland Terrapins quickly and then uh, dive into the quick MLB signings that have happened over the offseason. So for Maryland, they've uh, they are eleven and two, and they're currently, I believe, ranked twelfth in the AP poll. They have played remarkably well throughout the season, despite two road losses to Penn State and Seton Hall. Both will most probably be in the NCAA tournament. So it's kind of yeah, they lost, but it's also they lost against two premier two of the premier teams in college basketball. Their biggest issue, though, slow starts to each of their games. Tell me about it. Mm. Look, on Seton Hall, I think Indiana, especially in Ohio State. I mean, any of the, just pick any of those games within the last like uh, two months. What you thought was the worst? <laughs> There's, I mean, they're all bad <laughs> because they all they shoot Which like <laughs> they commit like at least five six turnovers within the first like six minutes. They don't score a basket until after the first media timeout. Man. And, yeah, they just, they're just they not focused and not uh, disciplined enough in the first, like, 10 minutes. Yet, what is surprising, they win all those games come the end of the first half or towards the second half, start of the second half. Yeah. It's like they have a different gear as soon as that happens. And yet, they're number two in the Big Ten despite of that. So, uh, Jalen Smith, their center, and Anthony Cowan, their senior, set, senior uh, point guard, have been solid. But on the other hand, Aaron Wiggins, their shooting guard, has yet to find a shooting stroke, and we're already at the start of the uh, conference play. So the team is looking very dominant defensively, and what I'm very surprised about Maryland, they're actually employing zone defense quite a bit. Nice. Which I believe, if you remember, Paula, within the first like eight years, we never saw any zone defense no, from we the did, Terrapins. And also, they have been uh, focused on shooting so many threes instead of taking some uh, shots at, in the paint. I mean, yeah, because you have guys like Aaron Wiggins, you have Eric Ayala, you have uh, uh, Anthony Cowan, and Jalen Smith is a center, but he can shoot the three shoot kind the of three, like, yeah. uh, I want to say like Dirk or any other big man you can name. Did you mention how Jerome Moselle? 
Yeah, Marcel, but he's not a three point. He's a lockdown defender. Yeah, That's yeah. what he is. But he's I'm, a slasher. Not a three pointer, but he's yeah. like someone that can hit the what was it, the mid range. Yeah, mid range. He's a slasher. Yeah. Basically, kind of like the Russell Westbrook. He can slash to the back, get to the basket, he's get yeah, and a great defender because he can guard like one through four. And he's like, I want to say six five. That's very valuable. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Terps did have an issue uh, last month with the Mitchell twins. They're both freshman forwards. They got in the off season. One played well, but the other didn't. I and mean, they got so and so minutes. The other one never got any playing time. But then the mother of the twins went on her Twitter rant during the halftime of the Seton Hall loss, oh, no. saying that one of their sons has been getting preferential treatment over the other, and that both are getting less looks over. Cho Marial, who's the seven foot two player who just started getting playing time. And so, because of that, the twins uh, ended up getting uh, transferring out. Mm-hmm. But it ended up uh, being a, not a big loss as they're winning games despite them not being a part of the team. Are they right. still in the transfer portal? Probably, yeah, but yeah, we don't need them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who knew? You could do without yeah. them. And they don't yeah, want to be there. yep, and then the Maryland has a tough test because they go to on Friday to Iowa, Ooh, and they're zero and two in road games because, like I said, they lost to uh, Penn State and Seton Hall. This is coming off a win over eleventh ranked Ohio State. Yeah, so yep. I mean, they're on a high. They're on a high. Yep, and they face Iowa on the road, and the one of their players, I don't remember his name, he's averaging twenty and ten, and he scored thirty five points against Penn State on Sunday. So yeah, he's. It's going to be a really tough test on the road. Speaking of yeah. Penn State, uh, the biggest surprise is that Penn State basketball is actually ranked. Right. Yep, yeah, believe it or not. They're the they're 21st. Known for their basketball. And even Rutgers could be possibly ranked come next week. They're that. A bigger that surprise. Part, yeah. Rutgers, of all teams, is playing well. And then in some other incidents, uh, North Carolina, UNC has been on a free fall as they are 8-6. and six, yeah, And they're, they're missing their stud rookie, uh, uh, Cole Anthony. I know. And then there was a story. There was a story this morning. I think I saw a headline of uh, Roy Williams saying that this is the worst recruiting class and worst team I've ever had yeah, in uh, yeah. he years. He said on his weekly, weekly yeah. radio show. Yeah, it's 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 a tough season. It's definitely one of those seasons that you you kind of put away and hopefully never have to talk about again <laughs> because it's been that type of season. It's part of the reason why I'm not watching the Tar Heels right now, but <laughs> you got to go through these seasons to appreciate the really good season. So that's the – Kind of like the Redskins this season. Yeah, I like the Redskins this season, um, except the Tar Heels, this, it's been a while since they've been this bad. So yeah. hopefully uh, hopefully they can rebound next year, but – it's, it's looking pretty tough this year. And then we have Duke still remaining atop the ACC despite their uh, one loss. Uh, can't stand uh, Michigan State is actually rounding into form uh, despite no. their uh, uh, not-so-great start in the initial part of the season. And then two are surprising unbeatens are Auburn and San Diego State. Yeah, Remember, I believe Auburn went to the Elite Eight. I think so. And so, yeah, they still remain uh, elite because they're undefeated. Along with SDSDO. Yep, and then uh, among the top five, it's Gonzaga, Duke, Kansas, Baylor, and Auburn. At least when it comes to top ten, like you have Butler at six, San Diego State at seven, Michigan State at eight, Oregon at nine, Florida State at ten. Yep, and then Maryland is at like twelve, so they they might find themselves in the top ten once again. They were at number three at one point in the season. Yeah, and they could find themselves in the top ten if they win at uh, Iowa this Friday night. 
Then the defending national champion Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah, they haven't been the same ever since they left. Three of their players went uh, pro or left the team because of graduation and whatnot. And so they've been pretty bad offensively. And so defensively, they've had to clamp down, but not score as many points. Mm -hmm. So they're still struggling, but still a top top, uh, 25 team. And then to wrap it up, we have uh, the baseball offseason transactions. There have been several over the past month or so. Arizona signed uh, Matt Bumgarner, which makes uh, Nathan pretty bummed. Two of my teams. Yeah, Bumgarner was uh, such a legend for the Giants, especially in that uh, one uh, World Series. Were you ready to punch a hole in the wall? I was very downtrodden. Yeah. And goes to a division rival. Yes, and to a division rival to boot. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Who had, who had a really good lefty for many, multiple years in Randy Johnson. I'm definitely not happy about this. I don't know why the Giants let him go. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, Cy Young winners, we also had Garrett Cole go from the yeah. uh, the AL champion uh, Houston Astros to the uh, – did he win the AL Cy Young? I think he did. It was either him or Verlander. I forget which. But regardless, he goes to the Yankees. He's a great signing for them because they've been relying on hitting all year last year. Their pitching was – yeah, their pitchers were, like, uh, injury-prone all year. Derek Cole, he finished second. Oh, he finished second. for the 2019 Cy Young Award. So is Verlander, yeah. So is Verlander's ex-teammate now. And then other uh, pitcher signings was that Cole Hamels, the former Cubs-Phillies Rangers pitcher, goes – from the Cubs to the Braves, and then Zach Wheeler goes from the Mets to the Phillies. And then we have the uh, Chicago White Sox, who could literally be, who could be the dark horse of the season. Seriously. They signed a catcher, Yasmani Grandal, third baseman, Edwin Encarnacion, who has not lost a step despite his age, pitchers, uh, Dallas Keuchel, and... Uh, Ex-National uh, Gio Gonzalez, and just recently over the past week, uh, Steve Shishak, who's a great uh, uh, closer for the uh, card, uh, for the Cubs and now goes to uh, across the city to the White Sox. Talk about Zudin and Booth. They, yeah. they are loaded now. That is crazy. When, yeah, they re-signed Jose Abreu and yeah. our young up-and-coming team. But the big news in uh, the, uh, the nation's capital has been the Nationals' transactions. So to start the year, they were thinking of uh, re-signing both Strasburg and Rendon. Unfortunately, the uh, GM said, oh, we can only resign one of them. Despite all that, they only resigned Strasburg and let Rendon go elsewhere. Which Rendon's younger, right? Yeah, and, last, and, and hasn't been injured. And he has been injured off and on. Last year, I believe he was injured. Did Mike Rizzo say that? Because I, yeah, I think it was just saying that on behalf of the learners. That had to be Maybe. Learners. But regardless, they let Rendon go, who was probably – feel like he was a better resource because he was their number three hitter and basically the best hitter on the team. Right. Instead, you could always get like another pitcher instead of Strasburg. Always. But always. Instead, they, they re-signed Strasburg, let Rendon go. And uh, because they let Rendon go, they had to fill it in with uh, reserve parts. So they signed Starlin Castro, the second baseman, Eric uh, from the uh, Marlins slash and Yankees. Yep. Eric Thames from the uh, Brewers, and what's interesting is that he, for some reason, kills the Reds, 
Whenever he faces the Reds, he hits like three, four home runs. Yeah, two, three home runs against them each game. <laughs> yeah, the Nationals have him. So, and then they also re-signed a closer Daniel Hudson and uh, got Asdrubal Cabrera to possibly be their third baseman this year. And uh, the surprising signing is that they also got the Astros closer in Will Harris as well to fortify that much maligned bullpen that was. Yes. And that was the biggest thing that they had questions about going into the World Series. Was this, you know, this... They've had issues with the up. bullpen for multiple seasons. Yeah, yeah. I'm for like a decade. And Honestly. so so hopefully their bullpen gets better with this. And Paolo uh, wanted to also mention that, oh, unfortunately, they had to let yeah. uh, Gerardo Parra go. Yeah. I mean, he was a free agent, essentially, and he chose to go to Japan rather than stay here because he got more money exactly. playing for the uh, Japanese the team. Yep. He did. He did. But, yeah, he was a nice fit for the franchise because he he was basically the spark plug that started this uh, World Series run for them. That's true. So, yeah, now those are the offseason signings. There have been like a two dozen more, but these are the more notable ones. Awesome. It's like it'll be an interesting year in baseball once again. Yep. And that will be it for Season 2, Episode 9 of the Spin Move Podcast. First episode in a while. And yeah, also the two, first, three months. And also the first episode of the Spin Move Podcast of the new year in 2020. Yep. We had a lot to talk about. We hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. Yep. Once again, uh, don't forget to look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Click that subscribe button and comment. And also, leave us a review if you can, especially on Apple Podcasts. We would gladly appreciate that. Share the podcast to anyone that you know. And Happy New Year, everybody. Yep. Happy New Year. Not Happy Thanksgiving, like Daniel Snyder said. (laughs) In January. Right. His His bad attempt at a joke. Yep. For Nathan, Paolo, and Samir, signing off. Take care, guys. Take care.